quote a wise man, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't do it, it, nice it, it, I, I don't know the rest of the words. It's been a while by Stained. Uh, and I'm not <laughs> going to pretend like I do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'm not proud of the fact that I actually uh, saw that in concert. I have a soft spot in my heart for... I think the genre is fucking... I think it's called uh, post-grunge. I think, I think it's called post-grunge. But I, I will admit that I get post-grunge and new metal confused. But I'm pretty sure it's post-grunge. But I, What the fuck is new metal? New metal, I think it's bands like Puddle of Mud and, and like okay. Disturbed. And post-grunge is like Creed or Creed analogous bands. So it's like Creed and Nickelback and Theory of a Dead Man, Love Theory of a Dead Man, um, Stained... I want to also say Seether, but they might be new metal. Regardless, the best part about them is that like every new metal man is entirely populated by dudes who look like the father of your high school girlfriend. With all the shit going on in the world, this is what we start our conversation with, talking about stained as usual. Well, I mean, they're, as usual, talking about stained. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a podcast about the band Stained. It's called Stained Remover. Oh, God. This is where we are. This is, this is where we are in 2020. But you're right. So, the world we deserve. I mean, it's the world we need. Maybe that's the world we deserve. I will say this. You know, it has been a while. So much has happened since the last time we recorded that it's actually hard to know where to start, apart from Stained, obviously, that get the important things out of the way. But I figured... And I will, you know, no, show note, Adair is not here tonight because he's working, uh, doing the whole nine to five wage cuck thing. And so we've we've affirmative actioned or reverse affirmative actioned uh, John. Yay! It, it's wonderful to have you, especially on this uh, first show of 2020. And we're going to have a great time. And by, by reverse affirmative action, I don't mean it's because John's white. I mean, it's because Adair is too tall. And so John is now our uh, short, our short person. <laughs> yeah, I beat you out because I'm just a couple inches shorter than you. I mean, a lot of people are a couple inches shorter than Chad, man. <laughs> I don't think it's that many, man. I met you in person. It's not that many. Oh, no, I was making a dick joke. You you missed it. Went right over your head. Oh, I missed it right over my head. Yep, absolutely. Anyway, so I mean, obviously, I think the big news, the biggest news that has occurred since the last time we spoke, is the Iran situation, the situation between Iran and the United States of America. But even that has had many, many evolution since we planned this episode so i'll leave it up to our you know returning co-host john do you want to start with donald trump fucking having a zan of green gables moment on live television today at 11 or do you want to start from the beginning it's been exhausting like i've like been on the verge of tears like multiple times just this week alone but this whole thing from late 2019 until now, and even going back further with the entire Middle East quandary since my teens, I guess, has been just flabbergasting. It all came to the, the PNAC head this week and almost brought us to war again. So instead of seven wars, we'd be involved in eight. And as we saw from the Millennium Challenge 2002, like it's probably a war we wouldn't win. Not that you can say we won any of the previous ones. We got rinsed as well. But even a flat-out war we would lose with Iran. So let's start there. So, like, so what happened this week that has made you cry like a baby so many, so many times, embarrassingly so? It was... So we uh, we 
Merck assassinated General Soleimani, who was the head of the Quds Force in uh, the IRGC, which we've, we, with the last uh, NDA, we labeled them a terrorist organization, which allowed for the use of the AMUF on any of their members, uh, despite the fact that they're a recognized military outfit of another country, which should fall under sovereignty. So that's the legal leg that the Trump administration is standing on to say, hey, look, we hit a terrorist. Now, the reason he's said to be a terrorist and the reason the Quds Force is said to be a terrorist is because they're active in pretty much all the theaters in the Middle East that we are, but they're actively mobilizing local forces to fight back against not just us, and they are fighting back against the United States occupation in Iraq, but also fighting back against ISIS and Al-Qaeda in places like Syria and Yemen. So you can argue that Soleimani is probably one of the main people in the Middle East who is responsible for the rollback of ISIS. And we worked with him, when was this? Like back early into the whole Iraq-Afghanistan thing to fight the Taliban in uh, Afghanistan and then slightly with ISIS. But, you know, there have been instances where you can make the argument that the U.S. has never been really fighting ISIS in places like Syria. So Soleimani was directly against our own interests there. And so we finally dropped the bomb on him with a drone from some kids sitting at a Connex box in Arizona somewhere. And that's it. So Iran's hero was killed in the most inglorious and indignified way possible. And then President, uh, I don't know, shithead got on television and was saying, if you even tried to think about hitting us back, we're going to blow up 52 sites of uh, historical importance and possibly religious significance, which again is a war crime. Like it's that was what made me cry. Okay, that was a lot, and I appreciate you spilling your purse for all of us to hear. Um, and I guess, I guess we'll take that step by step, starting that is, that is basically the thrust of what happened up until last night at the time of recording, where uh, Iran launched, I think, a few dozen missiles. That the number is kind of being uh, the number is not entirely cemented in stone at this point. They launched a few dozen, somewhere between six and 36 missiles at a few bases, uh, a few of our bases, a few Iraqi bases in Iraq, right? That some U.S. troops are stationed at, some Iraqi troops are stationed at, some Canadian troops, basically some coalition troops were stationed at. Uh, not specifically U.S. bases, but bases that U.S. troops were, st- were stationed at. Apparently no casualties. And of course, the end of that whole, I guess, arc so far was Trump giving uh, address this morning. Which I didn't see, but I've heard uh, tidbits of. To go back to the beginning, though, yeah, it around, what, late last week, maybe early this week, it's hard to remember at this point, um, they assassinated Soleimani, uh, the Trump administration assassinated Soleimani, well, while I believe that he was on a peace mission, like uh, again, conflicting reports say that he was on a peace mission. Well, the Iraqi prime minister said that he was um, the purpose of him coming to Iraq was to meet with Saudi officials and broker a peace deal between or some sort of peace agreement between Saudi and Iran. And, you know, there's conflicting about whether or not that was at the behest of the Trump administration. Um, and some people have reported that it was at the behest of the Trump administration, which means literally <laughs> Trump tricked this guy into coming for a peace uh, talk just to kill him, which speaks to premeditation rather than this was something as a, a last ditch effort to do something for the uh, Green Zone embassy being overrun by Hezbollah. And I don't know how to pronounce the second word, but it's HK, which is a Hezbollah affiliated group in Iraq which we literally killed a whole bunch of people. Um, 
for, I guess it was like airstrikes or something that we did against them that killed a whole bunch of this militia who were wildly popular in Iraq for, again, rolling back ISIS and as being backed by the Quds Force from Soleimani. And so then they went and they kind of broke down the green zone barricades and got into it a little bit with the U.S. Embassy. And then from there, that became the let's assassinate Soleimani. It's obviously early in 2020, and we just announced the award for 2019's uh uh, pimp of the year, uh, Mohammed Rafiq. You may remember him from earlier in, well, from 2019. Uh, he was a 65-year-old ex-Pakistani special forces who stopped uh, who stopped uh, mass shooting unarmed and beat the brakes off of the shooter. And I believe it was in Norway. So he was our pimp of the, of the year, 2019. I, I want to roll out and say that Soleimani is 2020's pimp of the year. Um, you know, it's the highest honor that the district in memoriam, right? In memoriam, posthumous, like the Nobel Peace Prize. We can hand out the Pimp of the Year posthumous. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to deny that he was in the midst of what was you know essentially a peace deal, which is another war crime, obviously. So, you know, not only that, he was an ex lifter, you know, ex good looking man, kind of, you know. So it's incumbent upon us to recognize that when we talk about him and posthumously. And from all accounts, like just like a general made made man who made himself from like really some of the worst conditions. I mean, where he first started coming up was in the Iran Iraq war and like throughout the entire thing, you know, he, he's maintained this sense of popularity within Iran that was I think we, we don't really know of anyone in the U.S. who has that same type of popularity as affiliated with the military. I guess there were reports uh, that he was also a very modest person, too, and like not a fan of hero worship and such, too. That's all great. And I was obviously joking about the award, but it, it, but it's kind of irrelevant, the kind of person that he was. I think that's a part of the conversation that we were having right after the assassination, where it's like the kind of person that Soleimani was like on a, a personal moral level. Was he, was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? is kind of obscuring the larger point was that his assassination was a terrorist attack really illegal definitely yeah massively illegal i mean insofar that international law is real it was illegal (laughs) it was illegal it is not it's not real right (laughs) no of course not it's not applicable to the united states that's for sure definitely not and that's the funniest thing about it i was i think i made a joke on twitter it was like the lead the law-minded people like on twitter will like make 30 40 fucking 50 uh tweet long threads about all like the laws that were violated by doing xyz in this case, fucking assassinating Col- uh, Soleimani on uh, a peace mission, essentially with a peace talk, uh, and then go, well, you know what? That's all very interesting, but the law doesn't, isn't real, and we can't enforce it. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, this just, just good to know. Like the kind of person that Soleimani was is kind of is irrelevant. It's not kind of it's, it's irrelevant. Like whether he was a good person or a bad person, whether he was problematic, a problematic phase. No, he's a military commander. Of course, he's not a good person. <laughs> exactly. I know. Like he was the head of essentially. Iranian special forces operating in the Middle East in a war zone that we created. Like, it would be hard to be a good person, you know, in that situation, which is not to make excuses for him for whatever crime. You you can make the, well, the one argument you can make is that his was a completely reactionary position to our aggression. The impulse that some of our politicians, some people online have to preface like, hey, this assassination is a war crime. It's amoral. 
it's not practical because it might lead to an international conflict with a foreign or a sovereign foreign power that might loop in China or Russia or any number of larger powers because he could have been a good guy doing good things and, and, and America would have assassinated him based on the premise that he wasn't in line, rather that the Iranian government is not in line with America's interests in the Middle East or America's interests globally, right? But I mentioned on Twitter, like this, that's the, that, that, like that need, that impulse to like preface the statement, yeah, his assassination was impractical and it might lead to more problems with like, but he was a bad guy is like the pseudo nuance of the politically unsophisticated because it, it, it seems like it's a nuanced analysis. Like, oh, well, you know, we got to, unpack literally everything but no like that's not relevant like the the common factor between all of america's assassinations is not what the person is good or bad it's not whether the country and the the, the factor that leads to whether we overthrow a country's uh, sovereign electric government is not whether or not they respect the rights of marginalized people it's whether or not they respect america's right to basically do whatever we want you know what you know who's got more bl- uh, american blood on their hands than fucking soleimani is american cops so when are the drones coming out for them? I mean, like, to, I hate that fucking that that rubric of argument for it because the the idea that you're right, it was his job, but his job was just to protect Iranian inter- interests. And if we weren't there in the fucking first place, then he wouldn't be killing Americans. America has been trying to ar- invade Iran for longer than anyone on this show has been alive. Like American, like the, like the story has already been written, right? That America wants to go to war with Iran in order to control its natural resources and prevent China and other countries from having access to them. Other countries we consider to be our competitors from having them. So like trying to find a post hoc ethical explanation for why it's okay just makes you seem silly because like any reason would have been, like there was inventor reason, right? And it's not like you said, like, it's like, it, this is not about killing Americans. Like if it were about killing Americans, we would invade Saudi Arabia. Like, Saudi Arabia has killed way more Americans than fucking uh, Soleimani has. Any of the ties to any of those deaths is even questionable at that. And I mean, you had Pence tweeting about trying to connect him to 9-11. And so, I mean, there's, like you said, there's nothing, like, if there wasn't something, they'd just make something up if they didn't most of that stuff already. At, at this point, it's hard to think of someone who was not in some way involved in 9-11. I mean, the Saudis did it, obviously. Bush did it, too. Saddam Hussein. Osama bin Laden. I want to say also Barack Obama did it, according to some people. And now Iran and Soleimani were in some way uh, responsible for it. Some of the Al-Qaeda that's in uh, Venezuela, too. I think they were involved. I don't think it was Al-Qaeda in Venezuela. I think that was... Um, Hezbollah. Hezbollah. There you go, Hezbollah. Of course, Hezbollah is in Venezuela. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. You know, noted, noted Al-Qaeda ally, Hezbollah. Hezbollah was also working with MS-13 at some point. I don't remember why or who said that, but that was also a myth being floated that like Hezbollah was working with MS-13 to get people uh, smuggled into the, to get terrorists smuggled into the country. Like the, the blurring of lines between our quote unquote, our, our national enemies who all hate us for no reason is purposeful, obviously. Like the conflation of terrorism in the globe and like the Middle East, or rather the idea that terrorism 
If you can link Hezbollah to MS-13, Marco Rubio can make the argument that we should drone the fuck out of MS-13 because Hezbollah is a recognized terrorist group. So like the, the, the reason why they're making, trying to just throw fucking shit at the wall to try and make it stick to quote unquote terrorism is because of the war on terror and what that allows them to do. Speaking of recognized terrorist groups from Iran, it's like even if that, even if he was a terrorist or engaged in like, well, I mean, he was in charge of Iranian special forces. So if he's anything like American special forces or even like American like Chicago PD, he was probably engaged in some kind of human rights violations because that's just what people do at this point. Uh, uh, like that, even that's not really a game, like a game changer because didn't fucking Rudy Giuliani, wasn't he a lobbyist for an Iranian terrorist organization like two years ago or some shit? M.E.K. Or, and like that's why he hated Soleimani because Soleimani had put down many of the Iranian terrorist group that was initially on America's terrorist watch list too. But he, w- he was paid by them to lobby to get them off of that terrorist list. And I think he succeeded. The M.E.K. is no longer listed as a terrorist group and they have a whole shit ton of people that are names you would recognize as their, their keynote speakers and stuff. I think even Bloomberg maybe? I, I don't I want to throw that out, but I think he even made a speech at an MEK event as well, but not like Giuliani and, uh, you know, all those guys, they're all over MEK. And that, the MEK story is so fucked up too. So, and ties right into this because, you know, it gets to the idea of the war on terror and what its actual use is because the MEK is clearly a terrorist organization. They're just not a terrorist organization towards America. They're a terrorist organization towards one of our state enemies. So I'm looking at an NBC uh, news report that says that it was uh, actually Secretary Clinton that announced the decision to remove the group from the list, but I just wanted to drop that in there. Oh, shit. No way. (laughs) That makes sense. Anyway, that was a very roundabout way to complain about people online uh, treating me as though I'm I'm the one who's guilty of being really, really this is a way for me to point the finger back at people who are pointing at me saying that I'm the one who's guilty of being unnuanced or lacking nuance in my analysis of the situation based entirely on my like my not flippancy, but unwillingness to expand the boundaries of talking about his assassination to irrelevant uh, factoids about Iran or Soleimani, because and, and by irrelevant, I mean I don't mean not important broadly speaking to like a theoretical moral position, like Iranians' treatment of LGBTQ people or Iranian treatment of women. Those are important in a broad sense, but they're not really relevant to this conversation. And the impulse to try to fit them into this conversation about Soleimani's, about either Soleimani's assassination, which is really just a, uh, a way to get into war with Iraq. I mean, sorry, get into, get into war with Iran is the wrong impulse. And it's the wrong impulse, not because I feel as though it, someone will actually, like, actually, like that my my particular voice will be the tipping point to, that prevents us or gets us into war with Iran, but it's just not good practice to start, you know, essentially victim blaming, right? Like you're like you're bl- like the like the cause of his assassination are none of the things that our people are talking about, which make the assassination not ethically too bad, right? And so my first thing is like, yeah, there's a, there's the cynical deployment that John is speaking of. Like, hey, there are some people who just want to get us into war with Iran. They just want to do war crimes. That's all that's going on. But then there's just like the people who really just don't want to believe that fucking America is a villainous actor on a, on, on a global scale. It's like America is, America is like a super villain. They do some, we, we do some nefarious things. 
Like, like some really, we do like, we do so much nefarious shit that like when people are trying to come up with fake war crimes, they just take American war crimes and change the country. Like and making them a fake country, like like we like, like that's like that's how like uh, fiction writers they come up with war. After Iraq, nobody who's an adult can sit here and tell me that it's not. Which is why would you have Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren running for the fucking ticket on the Democratic platform making that argument? It's like, what are you out of your fucking mind? Like you can look at people like Dick Cheney and see pure evil, and <laughs> Bolton and see pure evil, and to say that America is is good and we have our the world's interests at heart when these are some of the main actors for America on the world stage and the people that they appoint and the people that they associate with and all of their like underlings. Like that's just ludicrous. I was think it's hegemonic because it's not just them doing it. It's like it, people do feel it's, it's not just people, like not just bots online. People do feel the need to start like engaging with the material and social conditions of Iran in relation to this. And I'm like, okay, but like that's not really like again that's not really nuanced. That's not really, that doesn't enhance this conversation. It, it distracts from the, the larger point that America is not trying to, to solve those problems by assassinating Soleimani. America would make them worse if it meant that we would have access to have access to their fucking, uh, uh, their natural resources. Right. If Norway cut off the Black Sea from exploration for oil to America tomorrow and said, nope, you're not going to do this. You don't think we'd be assassinating their generals? Like, come on. The people who are being infected with that naivete as a result of the hegemonic the belief that uh, basically the neoconservatism being hegemonic, people believing America is a moral actor on, on the global scale, like that's just them trying to frame this as not America being a like being an amoral, being a villainous actor on the moral scale. They're trying to frame. I mean, they, they don't want to believe that. But what they want to believe is that well, America just made a technical America, like you know, and that's like that's the argument a lot of people have pointed out that you know this is not just a technical mistake this is not just like oh well it's not a practical mistake it's like we were acting outside of the law we were acting immorally and it was also impractical and so you what you want is what people to like to, people want to turn this from a ethical condemnation of america and uh Point and pointing out how and, and make it into like another one of those. Well, America just happens to be naively bumbling through foreign policy again, but this was a bad guy. They just killed him at the wrong time and in the wrong place and doing in the wrong way. It's like no, it's not. That's that's not the case. Like it's you can't reduce it down to even you can't even reduce it down to like they killed him at the wrong time and wrong place and then follow proper protocol, which is another thing. People, you know, the, the technical rat. Like what is the technical rationality of assassinating a foreign general? To- you can't even make the moral argument of, uh, when you're when you're admitting the premise of saying like, well, Soleimani is a bad guy, and it's like, well, this is a failing argument across the board electorally as well, because now you're saying, oh, well, he was a bad guy, but we wanted to check all the boxes and make sure the forms are filled out and paperwork was done and everyone's consulted before we actually killed him. Like, no, if he was this bad of a guy, if you accept the moral premise that he was a terrorist, he was killing Americans, he was doing a bad thing, then the logical leap. From is to take him out and to do so using the, whatever force is available to you. And that's what Trump did. So by accepting the premise of Soleimani being a bad guy, you're being a fucking hall monitor. And no one likes a hall monitor. So like you're losing on the electoral principle as well. So obviously we agree that it was immoral to do so. But if you have a subsection of the populace that believes that still believes that Iran is the inherent evil in the world, then you're losing any potential of reaching them when you start making that hall monitor fucking pass, because it's not a moral argument. You're accepting the morality of the action and you're then just saying, but we didn't do this. And that's, no one's going to believe that. No one's going to believe you. Well, so that, so I will push back a little bit on that, but like only accepting the moral premise in some vacuum that like, 
Iran does bad things, not of course not engaging with the history or context of, and especially of foreign governments influencing their their you know their political and government structure, the coup that America and, and the, the coup that the CIA and MI6 did in Iran, uh, you know that really 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 had a, a, a trickle down effect, not trickle down effect, but a deleterious effect on their entire society and entire and the entire region. Like not even engaging with that, right? Because when people say that Amer- or people say that Iran is doing bad things or so many did bad things like they want to expand the boundary of the conversation from this is amoral this is illegal this is impractical what the fuck is happening but this is in line with america's foreign policy towards iran for the past 40 50 years that we've been just they're just trying to fill in the fill in the blanks at this point it's like to make the moral argument that they they did they do bad things doesn't have to doesn't necessarily mean that you should in fact kill him because ultimately if you were to make the moral argument about like, you can make the same moral argument about um, uh, many of our heads of state, many of our generals, many of the generals of every other country, right? We literally have Elliot Abrams who was convicted for crimes that took place during the Iran-Contra scandal uh, running uh, uh, Venezuela, uh, running U.S. relations with Venezuela where he also committed war yeah, crimes. Yeah, but I, I mean, I make the argument that it is moral that we kill Elliot Abrams. So, I mean, that's just me though. Like, it, it, it's so, it, the lack of accountability and I recently was on liberal, like, looking through liberal Twitter and people were like, oh, I'm so tired of this Chuck Todd guy. And this is give me more Nicole Wallace. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) She was a propagandist for the Iraq war and you you want her now. This is now. Okay, fine. The concept of like the moral argument as being intrinsic to uh, American foreign policy and why you shouldn't make it is because it feeds into that neoconservatism. It, it does, it still frames like, okay, well, America may not, Amer- it frames America as like, yeah, it, rather it still feeds into the narrative of America as the world police, but it just, you know, adopts a sort of SVU, like cop, you know, copaganda show uh, trope of like, well, America's kind of a dirty cop who doesn't play by the rules, it doesn't always follow procedure, but it always gets the bad guy in the end. You know, sometimes the rules get the way of solving terrorism it's like mm, you know like it, it, it's it's a very uniquely american uh pursuit well the thing is that the people that want that from them the people that want you to say he's a bad guy first stop listening right after you say he's a bad guy and don't listen to any of the rest of the stuff so there's you're not gaining any traction politically or like or as far as like argument or argumentatively it's you're just giving it you're just conceding that point to them so that then that's all they're going to focus on from then on is like see you think he's a bad guy and oh what you don't think you you believe that we sh- we should you what worship bad guys and it turns into a straw man about like all these other things that you right that, that was the whole argument against Kerry in two thousand four was like oh I voted for the the war in Iraq but then you know he just didn't do it quite right and it's like well shut the fuck up old man and like pretty much anyone who could be swayed at that point was just like well he voted for the Iraq war why am I gonna vote John Kerry's the fucking loser he like he lost and he's a, and like and now he's trying to become relevant again by fucking endorsing what. Uh, Who's he? Like Biden? Like you could change out Biden for John Kerry, and half the people in fucking America wouldn't even notice. Oh man, I I just on my way home today, I saw a somebody a truck that had a Trump twenty twenty and a Biden twenty twenty sticker on their bumper. (laughs) (laughs) The brain works, man. That is that's a lot, and I don't even know how to fucking address that. But I will just say, like, I think again about the uh, acknowledging he's a bad guy thing. It's it's weird because I think that a lot of times people. 
it's one of those like, oh, well, foreign policy is shades of gray and like there are no good actors on the geopolitical stage, which, you know, is true. And it seems like a really sort of adult understanding of the way the world works. But in this particular circumstance, there is a good and bad actor. It's like uh, unequivocally so. It's like in the context of this particular assassination, there's a good and bad, there's a good and bad actor. And it has helped and like unequivocally good, unequivocally, or rather, there's not a good and bad actor. Like that, that's 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 the wrong kind of language, right? There is a victim and there is a victimizer, and the reason why there was a victim, the reason why there's a victimizer is for the reason why they're often one, because there's an issue of power and resources that people and I think that's the part that is kind of frustrating to me too, because you have people who are able able to understand like media tropes and hegemonic uh fucking power dynamics when it uh, when it's domestic they understand them pretty well and they know what's good and they know like oh yeah the, like, the media always uses passive language to describe you know the, the shooting of unarmed people you know like a, a bullet a bullet killed uh this homeless man and the police called an ambulance it's like that's like, they, they know those tropes when you're talking about like what's going on in america but all that knowledge of what american media and what uh, you know, like what our culture does to, you know, does to people, right? Does like does to people who are a without power or recourse to properly defend themselves. Like we, like all that knowledge goes out the fucking window when you start talking about like the foreign policy. And then suddenly, suddenly it's like, oh yeah, no, he's no angel. It's just <laughs> right. One of the dangers, I think, quickly is just that uh, with this type of uh, morality argument and the, he was a bad guy and all that stuff, what it feels like to me and also a lot of the rhetoric I've seen is setting up a legitimate uh, reason to uh, engage uh, with, you know, more aggressive foreign policy against Iran, essentially, and prob- possibly all out war and under the same auspices and kind of. Uh, same situation as we saw leading up to the war in Iraq with uh, Trump having a state of the union coming up and with uh, the idea that, Oh, you know, Iran is going to get nuclear weapons and then they can give them to the terrorists. And then the terrorists can have a dirty bomb in the United States. It is, it's all the same rhetoric. And so when they, when Democrats give them, Oh, he was a bad guy. What it is, is it's, it's the first steps of building the, Oh, you know, just like Saddam was a bad guy or the, the, you know, this other person was a bad guy. And so we, you know, or whether it's Maduro or whether whatever regime we're trying to remove the Democrats using the rhetoric of, Oh, he's a bad guy, but we have to do it this way. The, we have to do it this way part gets tossed out the window and all that gets heard is he's a bad guy. And the neocons have to act because the stupid liberals won't basically is what is how like when all you when all you're making is a procedural argument about like oh well you know we didn't to make sure to dot our i's and cross our t's because we have to be impeachable it's like impeachable who america doesn't follow the law and like, it's like, america doesn't, like, like america doesn't follow any law it would be amazing like honestly like i'm not gonna i'm not i mean wishing for it. i wouldn't wish for this because you know sanctions tend to overburden uh the the worse like the like people sanctions tend to overburden the poorest and most marginalized people within the country that you know the sanctions are imposed upon usually by united states of america uh so but it but it is 
amazing or rather it's surprising and i i always i wonder when the day's gonna come when like the national community is going to like get together and actually just sanction the united states and like you know we like you guys cannot you guys can't right do this. like it's it's we have so many weapons and like we have our hands in so many pies that, it, that, that they probably couldn't do it you can't do an end run around the u.s financial center that's one of the reasons of rising china is so terrifying to the u.s like doing a sanction like what are they going to do exactly at this point, I have to go because I got to go to work. Now that John is gone, go back to work as well. So what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that, like, uh, see here. The same Democrats that have given Trump military budget increase after increase and gave him a space force are now going to try and tell the American people that this new authorization use of military force agreement thing that they're trying to put out is going to actually somehow limit Trump's ability to engage in warfare. Meanwhile, they can't even get the impeachment sent up because they know it would be completely fruitless. So the idea that they're going to rein Trump in somehow through this legislation is to me completely ridiculous uh, and feeds into the narrative, like just continues the narrative of the ineffectualness of Democrats. And to a point that John was making earlier, there's a good skit or a good uh, bit from uh, Carlin about how uh, Americans want their liars to be honest with them basically and it's like if you, if you come out and say that you're full of shit then they're much more comfortable with that than how democrats do it and try and pretend like they're not full of shit but everybody can see that they're full of shit well, i mean this is not a funny show so I don't have to worry about it but no i think that you're right the problem with conceding the moral argument as i tried them before he said to go so rudely is that like americans believe it's america's right to invade other countries and so once you concede the moral and ethical case uh you and again, it's an asymmetric one because we don't apply those standards to ourselves or our friends, right? So, like, it's an asymmetric case. The next question becomes, well, if he's so bad, if Iran is so bad for X, Y, and Z reasons, then why, Like, then maybe we can't afford to go through the, the proper channels. Maybe we can't afford to wait for the, the you know, the Congress to authorize the force. Like, if it's an immediate threat, right? If it's an immediate threat or, like, they're so bad, then why should we wait? You know, sometimes we just have to, you know, hammer things. Home. That, that's just that while while that seems kind of like haphazard and crisis oriented and short-sighted it's like that is kind of the culture that live in right and i would also argue it's the culture democratic party has cultivated politically but you know at least in terms of crisis management right that yeah hey, we gotta make a split decision really quickly and ultimately the 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 pro- most proximate cause is the biggest cause and we just got we've got to do it you, you can't you can't think about long-term consequences of continuing on this two-party system you've got to like stay within it i think that kind of rash decision making is baked into the pie so you know it's wanting to have your cake and eat it too in some sense you want it, you want people to make a lot of decisions based on fear and the cut like the concept of punitive the punitive rather a punishment in the result of not making the right decision but you also want people to value the step-by-step process that it takes to do things the right way but mm, that's just that's that nerd shit no one no, no one cares like it, it goes back to the whole you can't bomb seven countries and not say anything and expect not say anything coherent about why you're doing it other than like oh terrorism and not expect people to start making moralistic arguments because that's just the moralistic argument is baked into the pie because neoconservatism is fucking hegemonic 
So people already view American as the as the moral actor, and so other countries become villains, right? So you have you kind of have to hammer home, like no, no, no. In this circumstance, like we're the villains, and like we're the villains. We're doing the wrong thing, uh, and we have no interest in improving anyone's lives uh, at home or abroad by doing this, except for like five people. And so don't pay any lip service to whatever you know, whatever more argument anyone is making, because you have to understand, you have to understand the context of where that's coming from. And I guess for me, what's frustrating people think, people think that they're adding extra layers to this, extra layers. I mean, I mean, again, I'm not trying to minimize the struggles of anyone who's been oppressed in Iran or uh, by the current regime or the Soleimani's, Soleimani's actions particularly. I fucking sucks, right? What else do you say about people being fucking murdered in foreign countries? Right? Yeah, my solidarity is always with the press people. Always. Of course, right? But there's layers to this too. It's like, it's not as though like we have any interest in freeing those people. <laughs> freeing those people. It's like that's, we don't, like we don't, we don't at all. And like the argument that like in any way not recognizing that that that's not like that's not part of that's not even part of the equation is not demeaning in my opinion my show i can have my, it's mostly just recognizing that like you have to if you're going to engage in the context of the if you're going to argue that you're not being fully con, you're not providing full information or context you have to really understand the context in which the, the this conversation is being had with within which again is america being the villain in the context in which people are going to be reading the conversation which is that oh america's a moral actor and these are bad guys so i don't understand why we why we shouldn't kill them it's like oh because we be killing anybody <laughs> we shouldn't be killing anybody if there's something bad and you can't explain how it's trump's fault then they don't want to hear it <laughs> that's the other aspect of this too where it's just like this is becoming about trump specifically like trump is doing you know trump made a blunder because he's a big moron and he might drag us in which fails to really recognize the fact that we've been trying to go to war with iran for like i mentioned 40 years and trump is just the latest person in that line of people to flirt with full-on war with Iran, like, like you know, not proxy wars, which not funding terrorist groups, not you know, putting sanctions, which is what Trump said we were going to do, you know, more brutal sanctions, uh, which again will get will kill people, right? It will, it will kill the most marginalized people, and right, either they won't get access to medicine because that's just work. It's like they're they're a way to you know, essentially sow discord in the country amongst the populace up until the point where they decide to overthrow the sovereign the sovereign leader of it and make it seem like that was an organic thing. When again, it's still just regime change. It's, regime, it's a soft regime change. Which regime. And it just the, to stretch the accountability thing a bit further back, uh, Dick Cheney back in the 90s said, if we remove Saddam Hussein, it w- in the US, it would put the U.S. in a quagmire in Iraq. So they knew, and because there was no accountability for the shit that they got wrong during when he was part of the first Bush administration, he was there to be VC for the second Bush administration and help cheerlead and lead into the war in Iraq, which he knew because he literally said, and I, I, I quote, he, he literally said, literally be a quagmire. So like he knew it was going to be a quagmire. They knew, and like they know what's ha- they knew what was going to happen. They know what's going to happen if we go into Iran. We've been hearing about it, speculated from a variety of news sources. Is like they know what's going to happen. But what's what, what you're looking at? What I feel like we're looking at is we're looking at a bipartisan lead up to uh, uh, a war with Iran, with Democrats basically giving Trump a green light and then saying, "Oh, he didn't sign off on the paperwork we told him he had to sign off on," and then they can just add it to the list uh, of things that they're not able to stop Trump from. Well, yeah, and they'll add to the list of things they're not able to stop Trump. And and you know, honestly, he might like he could lead us into a war with Iran next from now from now, and you would have uh you would have 
uh, you would have an entire population of liberals and conservatives and centrists and work as lobbyists for defense contracts and who work for as lobbyists for any number will benefit from who will frame this as, well, this is all Donald Trump's fault. They will erase the last 40 years of U.S. foreign policy uh, trying to or trying to engage in regime change. And it will just be, you know, it wasn't that we are a bumbling country. It will be that, well, we're a good country that made the mistake of, you know, that had a you know, negative road bump of, of, you know, fucking electing Donald Trump. And he personally dragged us into a war within Iran that we never really were part of, right? And, but since we're already here, you know, might as well give uh, Raytheon a hundred million dollars. $100 billion contract. We might as well give Halliburton exclusive rights to Iran's oil fields, right? They, they need to be managed, right? Now, that's one of the dangers of Trump, too. Like, so, like, it's it's so appealing for people to try to make every American failure uh, a personal failure of Trump. That was one of the conversations that got me in trouble today on Twitter, too. Fuck, I, I'm talking a lot about people. But, like, someone was just like, oh, yeah, you know, we're gonna go to World War Three, and this is toxic masculine. And I was like, yo, Please, oh my, I'm begging Rita fuck. I'm begging liberals to get their political analysis from anywhere other than pop psychology, especially the pop psychology that that viewed out by. It's like that. Like that's where they get. That's where they get gaslighting from. That's where they get like fucking toxic toxic masculinity from. They did. They they have adapted. Uh, they have adapted personal psychological. Per, this is not. Uh, they have adapted personal pop psychological term to describe like complex geopolitical ships. Uh, and also just every other structure just structural phenomenon and it's not like they're doing it consciously or coherently or with a level of use the word again nuance it's, it's it's indicative of a of a failure of their analysis because they're trying to individual like i think people thought i was mad that he was in feminist analysis to describe uh fucking international relations not not mad at that either or even disputing that like you know america or iran is a our patriarchy or patriarchal societies that's not a dispute either the issue is the individualization that the term taught that 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 was meant by the use of toxic masculinity and also how it obscures the power dynamics at play with you know iran and fucking united states of america right because the term i think in this case and it was meant this way was that ugh, america the world's gonna go to war because you have irrational machismo obsessed men and donald trump and and Khomeini who are just you know, they're just having a dick measuring contest they're whipping it out and slapping it on the table and seeing who's makes a louder thump and you're like that's not what's happening at all i was like i don't deny that trump is a fucking weirdo <laughs> that's not, not trump is a fucking weirdo who gets mad if someone's like taller than him or has bigger hands or if has thicker head or hair yeah but, this guy talked about his dick on national tv <laughs> because somebody called him out go ahead <laughs> i mean that that's look, look sometimes you gotta you gotta you know give give uh give your hog a little shine you can't can't deny that if I was lbj national, was pretty notorious for that and he managed to keep well never mind <laughs> he managed to keep it keep a gangster keep it loose but no like it's it's not so much that it's inaccurate to describe Trump that way. It is. What it does, is it reduces an entire history of uh, imperatives and colonial interaction with the, you know, to a singular person who was not for that. It reduces the entire military-industrial complex and deep state that's been trying to go to Iran, oh my God, forever, to one person who is not responsible for that either. And, you know, at the, at, on the other side of it, it pretends like the, it asserts that the behavior of Iran is not incredibly, incredibly rational and, and it makes 
and like incredibly in self-defense, right? Which is yeah, also I problem. saw some commentators like struggling with that when they were like when it dawned on them that Iran was the rational actor in this, and they were hoping that the irrational actor Trump would, uh, you know, better angels would prevail or whatever. And like I saw a moment of like reflection, they're just like, wait, what? This doesn't fit my worldview. And then they just moved on. Well, yeah, because it, that worldview would require actually unpacking the entire the structural elements of American foreign policy as being like, well, America is the aggressor and it does it for villainous reasons. It's yeah. like it's like in nuclear weapons, it seems to be the only thing to stop the United States from coming in, killing your people and stealing your shit. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's really it, it's a, it's the sad reality. Right. It's not it's not as though, you know, it's not as though the globe, but the, it's not as though the global south behaves irrationally in re- relation to the United States of America. It's that we don't necessarily fully understand the actual the maliciousness of our own action. Like if you want to make a, I mean. Here's what is what it is. It's like there, you know, there's plenty. Going back to the whole problem with the framing it as an issue of toxic masculinity. You know, there is feminist international relations. There is a, there is feminist. Obviously, there's feminist anti or uh, anti imperialist literature. There's a whole canon of them, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that in many ways the history of colonialism is a gendered history, with the global South being fem- being gendered as in many ways uh, containing feminine characteristics, uh, while the North, the West, is a more masculine, uh, the more masculine hand that need in control of the resources in the body of the global south essentially right you know look at the language that was used history of colonialism oh the virgin soil of the new world we have to penetrate africa you know all these you know extract all these you know it seems like a silly language but no like that's just the, the we have the same kind of the power dynamics of the south reflect despite being material condition it reflects a truth about power reflected across the talking about racism or in that or colonialism of sexism function a lot of other classism of course it like it serves it well rather it fails to engage with the fact that and rather in part of that feminist critique of our relationship with the global south is not succumbing to the idea that the global south is behaving irrationally in relationship to the global north because obviously irrationality or sometimes usually a feminine characteristic are irrational and so when you enter when you enter into this the, the argument that oh Khomeini and Iran as a patriarchal society in the global south bad again bad people are behaving irrationally and and in response Trump's irrational you're you're ironically you are in fact repeating sexist tropes about the global south like that that they are a bunch of you know and obviously racist of course because they feel mixed up there but that these are that these are rational places that are behaving irrationally in reaction to either our rational or irrational behavior but either way they're also behaving irrationally but no like you're right like you know it the the sad truth of the world of the world is that america is such a villain at a global level that basically anything you have to do to protect yourself from it is it's okay. It's rational. Like, you know, obviously certain things like trying to fucking summon uh, Cthulhu, it would be irrational or, you know, but it's like anything else, nuclear weapons, that's actually, that's an incredibly rational decision that a country could make in order to prevent, uh, prevent America from killing everyone there. It's like, I mean, look at North Korea, like look at how Trump dealt with North Korea versus how Trump deals with uh, some of the other countries that we're uh, occupying that don't have uh, either nuclear weapons or like allies with them or, you know, 
like a large enough force to actually oppose. It's, it's just it's that simple for me. It's just like they're just gonna knock over any any corner store they come to that looks vulnerable. And if you don't have weapons, then they're gonna come take your shit and they'll kill as many people as they have to. They'll kill governments and replace them, and they'll keep killing them and keep replacing them until they find one that's willing to steal enough of the resources from the of the country that satisfies the corporate interests that are funding the constant regime uh, change attempts like we have documentation and it's like you know the the fully documented stuff only goes up till however the between freedom of information acts and stolen or liberated files from the fbi and so on and so forth so like it's not always that current but it's like we have a long documented history of how this stuff works out and what's particularly noticeable in this in this one is that they haven't even they haven't changed up the crew they haven't changed up the the script they they're running the exact same play and just hoping we're that dumb and, and like and I, I don't know if we're not but people are that fucking dumb yo i made the joke online that fucking jack ryan premiered as propaganda for one of our coups two months ago and it's already two countries i mean we're always actively trying to change but in terms of like regime change that t- that's taken over like national attention like we're already like two countries behind where they're still in bolivia we've already Already done Venezuela and and we're we're now on fucking we're now on Iran and people are still for comfort like, like oh, oh yeah you know what Maduro illegitimate bad guy uh Evo Morales also illegitimate bad guy Soleimani Iran's leadership would you who'd have thunk it also bad people what it's do we like, do with bad guys oh yeah <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta do you gotta do something you gotta do something what what makes them bad might differ go back to Afghanistan like what people look like different among the conservatives like some liberals just want to turn it into like their view of a cosmopolitan Manhattan where like everyone's in poverty managed uh ghettoed towards like parts of the city you don't have to go to but or like you know fucking blasting it to fucking glass like to a la Ted Cruz but like the idea that that they must be bad is so baked into like the the pie that people just repeat it and they say it and they don't even think like coherently about the fact that a it's not appropriate to like, not because we'd be culturally culturally relativistic about it but it's not appropriate because america's also bad america has no interest in, in like fucking um, and like, they want to make it worse like we want to make it worse well and <laughs> nobody knew who this guy was like very few i'm sure some people do this like the vast majority of people that are talking about it now had no idea who this guy was a couple of weeks ago and they just mike pompeo tells them he's the worst terrorist in the world and they're like oh yeah you know that's probably true that's impossible, <laughs> that's impossible. mike pompeo is the worst <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's preposterous, and then they're like, "Oh, you know, happy he's dead." It's like you have no fucking clue who this guy was. It's like you assume that what you've heard is true, and it's like you've heard it from enough places that it, it's reasonable to make some of those assumptions. But like, you, you, this guy could have been a crossing guard for all you fucking know. It's like you really didn't look that hard. You're just assuming all these people are telling you the truth, and it is like you, people don't even bother to look into it. It's like if this guy was the worst terrorist and killed all these Americans, how come? You didn't hear about him. You heard a lot about Osama bin Laden, right? It's like you heard a lot about Anwar al-Awlaki. It's like you heard a lot about various other terrorists that were the worst terrorists in the world. It's like you didn't even know about this guy three weeks ago. It's like he could not have been that large of a threat. Or, I mean, if it was that large of a threat, can you imagine the Trump administration not blasting it and talking about it constantly? No, that just doesn't work out that way. And so it's like the whole concept of the how easily wrapped up we are in these narratives of uh, you know 
they're bad. We're the good guys. Uh, you know, Trump isn't, but you know, the, the people around him are, well, wait, there's nobody, none of those good people are left. It's like, and it's just a bunch of fill-ins and temps that are basically didn't have to get approved by the Senate. So, I mean, we're, sometimes I just feel like we're, you know, like maybe, I don't know, like six months away from Stephen Miller and that, uh, fucking navy seal uh war criminal basically Eddie starting Gallagher. a new yeah that, that a, guy a new, was a fucking sicko real sick real sicko shit they're about like, to like, head up fucking trump's personal security force in the next six months i would not be fucking surprised no, that, that, that nigga has a lifestyle brand now he's out he's selling his fucking uh you know aim for the ch- aim for the fucking somali child's head but shirt at, at the cracker barrel like he, he runs a whole fucking lifestyle brand now like, like, like this is this is ridiculous and it's you know some people who think they're smart now now have like have taken a position okay well yeah you know america isn't morally good it's actually bad america's bad but that doesn't change the fact that america should still be doing things abroad and like age and like making the and dealing with other bad actors it's like no you think you think like, like that's the illusion of you learning so it's like, it's like that's like that's not like, like that's like the part of the first like, like you haven't learned anything because the underlying issue is that america should not be doing anything it's like the, the issue is not whether I mean the issue is whether or not you think America is good or bad, but that's just the oh that's like the layer that's the top layer of the like the underlying issue is that sort of impulse that makes you leave that well it's okay for America even if it's bad or good or whatever to sort of decide like you know to dish out punishments and fucking justice around the globe it's like no it's like it's, it's not like it's like you gotta abandon that thought it's like you can keep the good and bad actor shit like, like I mentioned to John you can keep the good and bad parts like. I don't care what your morality is, right? That's irrelevant. As long as you stop, as long as you, but obviously you can't stop individually. We don't have the power to do that. But like, as long as you stop with the whole, well, America has the right to do blank to X person in X country. It's like, the, like the smart thing is not to acknowledge America's badness and then to go, well, we still got to do the exact same thing. That just makes you fucking like, that makes you dumber, right? Like it, it, it's, it's dumber to actually start operating within a uh, worlds of gray fucking more moral system and then but keep the exact same but they have to have no practical effect on your foreign policy your foreign policy prescription and who like who like the, the Raytheon doesn't care if you think Soleimani is a bad person like Raytheon doesn't care if you think America is a, a moral actor overseas as long as you continue as long as you continue they're allowed to continue what they do which is which is like the weird part I, I mean I don't it's 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 kind of not funny. Obviously, this is a very like you know, as John said, he's been crying for days and days and days, and he just can't help him. It's just real, real sad shit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all fucking sad. It's like by the time you've started your day and got to work, you've probably used or touched several things that were made by child slaves or whatever. And it's just it. The, if you think about it, the shit that America does in order to perpetuate the world that we live in is horrific. And all you have to do is think about it for five minutes, and you can get get I think you can start crying. In my opinion, I mean, the part that makes me kind of like uh, get the other part of me feel kind of fucked. Is- is that like it's all this it's all of these like people who presume themselves to be smart and I hate using that kind of language because it makes people think that I think I'm smarter than Mike. I don't also think that I don't think I'm that smart either. But like it's all the people who presume themselves to be smart making excuses for the institutions that are keeping us in perpetual war by trying to appeal to some kind of complex. And I, I, I'll make the same point. It's like you know the New York Times and the Washington Post like they fucking glide us. They published they published fucking Dick Cheney's uh, scroll 
scrawled down bullshit memos on a napkin as though they were Department of Justice verified facts, factual statements. And no one got punished. Then right? invite and, them on the shows to cite those random anonymous facts as, as truth. And, Continue. Exactly. No, exactly. You know, they, they they created this like this loop or this cycle of where uh, they were leaking shit to the media from uh, inside source and then citing the same articles to justify going further in the war, right? It's like just to manufacture that phrase, phrasing. And ultimately, the media faced no real this. You know, like the, the war is great for the media. Honestly, Donald Trump is great for the some media, right? Obviously, there is a new media bubble that continues to burst every day. But for more established journalistic outlets, it's great for it's great. For war is great for this and the the what makes what i was the point i was gonna make is that you can actually play both sides of it and have people think that that's a legitimate like nuanced strategy like a nuanced take on the war you can publish just straight up fucking cia bullshit general press releases as news or factual statements and then publish like one or two op-eds about how like you know war in iraq was a disaster and war in iran will be a disaster and you can put both those out there to people and you can let them make up their mind you can put both out to the readership let them make up their minds and that's what constitutes like a a real hard-hitting journalistic outlet that can't be demonized that's like trying to lie us into war again but it's like no if they had that that's not that's not nuance that's not complexity of thought that's not a wide big tent of ideology that's not um that's not uh try that's not like trying to play you know present many opinions it's not trying to present like divergent voices it's not trying to platform anybody what it is is trying to like obscure the fact that what you're trying to do is a lie to the war giving you plausible deniability and people will fall for it because too many people want to fucking be columnists <laughs> like too many people mm-hmm. are just like are hoping that they're just one good post away from being getting a call to be a columnist in New York Times we're like hey don't want to demonize them like fuck them niggas oh my god like, you're trying to get a job for the New York Times you better interview a Nazi I look you know honestly you could you could throw a rock out, out you could throw a rock at the White House you know, like, it's just like mm-hmm. a straight up goose to, if, you, like, if you go into a a White House press briefing, or rather the the White House press briefing, and then just shout Heil Hitler. I would be surprised if like seven people then just start goot this start fucking dump to attention. It's like it, it, it's 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 a fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's like we still have concentration camps on the border and then throughout the country. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the prison. There's been stories about prisons being totally uninhabitable and the prisoners uh, suffering. It's like there's so much horrific shit going on, and it's like the media is just they had Russia then they had impeachment and then they saw their ratings start to dip again after impeachment flopped and they needed something else and war fits that bill like you said like yeah like like, like who like who could mexico who could who could like uh who could uh, a leader of a foreign country uh kill in response to our concentration uh which which, which leader person in leadership could afford you know could a foreign uh power kill as retribution for our war crimes and concentration camps and have that be an acceptable thing to do. And I don't mean like acceptable, like people on like the left or are like aren't laughing, but I mean, except like that wouldn't get their entire cunt to shit. And like that, like the, it, it's, it's a metric. The, the rationale that people provide for what gives America the right to fucking shit that it does is not a rationale that would at any other country. Exactly. We, yeah, we, I, I, we would accept that. I was just going to say, I logged on to Twitter and I saw that like Castro, yeah, I know, right? But Castro was trending, and then uh, an $80 million bounty was trending for Trump. So I, I was really hoping that maybe Fidel's ghost had come back and had tried to claim the bounty, but found out it was just Castro dropping out and into some war. And so I was disappointed with that. But uh, that's, 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 real, that's real harsh. He might shoot up from 12% nationally to 12.1% nationally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like we're, we're, in, we're in real. Bernie's gonna have real trouble now after being the first person in the history of the United States to have five million fucking five million individual donors. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, now we have do- we have two people to take selfies with. Right, and then like with the, with that endorsement, got all, all of Castro's support being his twin brother, and so that brings uh, two people in. So I mean, that's that's good. A lot of I would say a lot of presidential candidates had had siblings look the fuck like by a lot. I mean, literally uh, Castro and Booker. <laughs> oh yeah, man, obviously I can't believe there's still like that. This is still going on. The 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 Democratic primary is a mess, and I mean. The only sensible thing would be to unite around Bernie, stop Trump, do all the types of things, and that they're not doing it, to me, indicates that they're willing to take four more years of Trump, if that means stopping Bernie. I cannot believe, I mean, everything Trump has done at this, see, it has, none of it has come, none of it has been like idea that Trump has pushed through that has no backing contemporary American president uh, or American cultural belief that may possible made whatever bullshit atrocity legible to the population or admissible to the population or literally and, the same people that had done it before that have recycled into his admission continue. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I said I was like, yo, the only person who ever got punished for the leading us into the Iraq war was Judith Miller. And guess who was on television least, uh, talking about the Iran war? You've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're busting out all the old hits. It's like going to a fucking Jay-Z concert and all they're fucking playing is reasonable doubt. And you're like, yo, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I hate this. It's it it's so it's so weird, and then you realize that like it, that's why I think you got really got to ham, hammer home that these are malicious actors. There wasn't a mistake because like there is the there is if you believe that it's a mistake, you believe that they could have learned and that they might not have learned. If you, again the addition problem, all you gonna do is you know get them to read you know read enough of your tweets and they'll teach them that like that starting war in Iraq and lead and killing a 500,000 Iraqi citizens maybe more at this I I, I I lost track like was a mistake it was a bungle and it's like no like these are like David Trump is a malicious actor it's like you know he's not operating in for, for the fuck for good faith or bad faith those are just terms that liberals like to use it makes a difference but no he's, he's malicious he's earnestly malicious you know whether or not he believes what he believes or whether or not he whether or not you know Miller or any of these war or like crystal uh goldberg or any of these absolute fucking war moms leave this stuff earnestly at them that believe in neoconservatism earnestly or just trying to get rich is irrelevant these are these are malicious actors and i'll just go back to what i said earlier it's like you know the language of the bungling america bumbling and doing a mr bean-esque bit but instead of like getting cream pied in the face we drop one on uh the, like that narrative is supported by smaller versions of that narrative that yeah America bumbles and then but also our leaders are coming you know like it's it's the bumbling male trope it's like oh yeah you know what and of course I say bumbling male trope but really it it can be abstracted to it's the bumbling blank with power trope it's that like you can't like it's an insulate it's a way to insulate people or who have or who are over who have power over another place or, uh, from like I said a moral critique of their behavior by which might in fact lead to a practical and a depo- a practical or any other or a number of like actual material or social sense with with the, the apps with the, the veil of well it was a mistake and they, they've learned or they haven't learned like they have the capacity to evolve on it and it's just like hey again that language would not be acceptable if you were talking about like you know I mean rather it would be acceptable for some people it would be acceptable for neocons 
And but we're not talking about neoconservatives, we're talking about like liberals who, you know, the Democratic Party has to be war part. If they, that's, 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 the, that's, what they, that's what they build and that's what they have to do. And so you know, it's, it's frustrating to watch them fail on this front. And it's frustrating, to, like I said earlier, it's frustrating to watch them say, OK, yeah, you know, America bumbles and you know, the people deserve to be rehabilitated because, you know, in their head that these people, you know, that they they understand if you were to express this in terms of like uh, a dude fucking uh, trespassing on the space or like the bodily autonomy of, of a woman, they would understand that the idea that, oh yeah, uh, Chet just touched uh, Anka's tits because he's a little socially awkward and you know, he's like, he's just bumbling with a mistake. You, you can't dress. Like they would understand that that's not appropriate. They would understand like that, 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 that trope has, is fucking old and it's tired and it's a way to protect somebody with power. In this case, um, who can sort of in reference masculinity or the patriarchy for, from, actually being implicated here so you don't implicate the patriarchy itself but they're fine with that that narrative at the, at the geopolitical level they're fine at the, they're fine with that narrative when you're talking about america and they're even willing to engage in shoddy fucking pop psychology analysis of america as a geopolitical actor rooted in uh i don't even want to say it's not even really feminist theory not that toxic masculinity is the feminist theory but their analysis is not feminist theory because it fails to engage with like the actual global context of gendered gendered uh geopolitics it's just it's just it's just it's, it's very individualized right which isn't you know can sometimes work in the case it does not but the, but but i guess my my large point is that they understand why this stuff is inappropriate when it aggrieves them or like their sensibilities but they're just so willing to do it at the that the fucking geo that the the national the international that it's it's so it, it's so weird like it's so weird to have to under to realize that there is a population of people you know, not just liberals, not just girls, but just people all around because it's just how we've been conditioned that like view the world in these discrete little bubbles where like they can recognize, oh yeah, no, uh, Mike Brown, even if he did rob that store, the whole no angel thing, that is fucking, it's like, that's unrelated, had nothing to do with this, the cop didn't know, care either, but then you go, oh yeah, no, like bad actors abroad all the time, all the time, but it's like, okay, but America doesn't care, America doesn't, I mean, even if America does know, like, it's either because they're doing too or because they, but they don't care. We're allied in arming a, a fucking theoretic or theocratic absolute monarchy and that's using those weapons to bomb hospitals and fucking school buses it's like we're not like the the moral aspect of as morals has nothing to do with why we're in the middle east whatsoever it's like anybody that even entertains that idea is being willfully up to like ignorant or was i, I don't I, I have a lot of words that i don't want to say <laughs> okay, we're just knocking we're just knocking the fucking rust off the off the wheel to this fucking wheelbarrow since the first time back in 2020 the last thing i i mean the last thing i want to touch on touch on is just like the language or rather the because this is related and i guess this is another part of the, the whole puzzle and i don't think we're forgetting anything specifically about particular um i mean trump didn't really say anything what occurred i i will say i think that the i just might be my paranoia speak i'm pretty sure or rather i would put a fair amount of money on the ball of our being kind of set up like not set up in the sense of like it's a trap but more it would a deal made to like government to fucking like again say face have revenge for Solomon. i guess they deserve right have revenge for Solomon, and you know but not actually cause any casualties or escalate because the idea that there were no casualties that had to be on right but i i would i'd be surprised if like a third a third party actor like uae or fucking or russia or china did not step in to try to de-escalate this like from the point from the 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's not unheard of that something like that could happen, and it would also make sense. There's all the geopolitical ramifications of war there that upsets economically the people beyond the region, and like that's not good for the global economy and the economic in that play as well, beyond anything, beyond just the aspect. Uh, I guess one of the things that came up that I just wanted to touch on briefly was just that there was a lot of conversation, I saw any limited interactions on Twitter, about uh, pro- anti-war protesting and whether it's effective or what kind of anti-war protesting is effective and just one of the things like i saw some stuff about vietnam and one of the things that came to my mind is one the large vietnam protest stopped basically stopped years before the war ended so like that that is an important aspect but what the protests did do was they got the rid of the draft essentially is the draft was gone and once the draft was gone then in the war in vietnam was that was one major aspect that helped make the war in vietnam unsustainable and then eventually what finally happened was the north vietnamese just came and kicked the shit out of the u.s forces that were there and so it was either you know go in with another assault or just go ahead and leave with your tail tucked behind your and so that's what we did and so like the anti-war protests uh vietnam were one massive way more massive and across the social spectrum than any sort of anti-war that we have today uh, so they, any anti-war of today, in order to have it, is going to have to grow massively in size. Uh, but then also they were uh, not always like uh, I think at one point 12,000 people were arrested in one of the protests so uh, it, it's also not uh, a safe activity and it's also not one that uh, can be that was effective strictly by following the rules that were set out for the, by staying on organized routes and by not disrupting so just some things I wanted people to consider when they're thinking about anti was that uh, they themselves can't end the war but be part of a war and that are preventing a war is as a king but they're not they in they themselves aren't enough and then also doing them within the confines of the law is also hasn't shown to be enough in the past well yeah I mean I, I would just I would echo that I mean obviously there are many ways war and there are different types of strategy and not every strategy is suited for every, every goal I mean all I would say is that you know in reality, we've seen the since Vietnam, since the mass process of the mass process of the civil rights era, especially more recently, right when it comes to you know Black Lives Matter and other other civil rights, essentially, and also really in the wake of 9/11, right of how, again how foreign policy and domestic policy are related in separate spheres. We've seen the slow erosion of right to protest in ways that have been both insidious and also right not just like the whole survey state where for every you know for all we criticize China, but like we have our own little empire here right but also the the militarization of the police is way higher right you know you don't even need to call the national guard anymore every, every police every police department has a tank you can like every police department has a tank and every police department has ar-15 like really you don't need to call the national guard b you know it's like the not necessarily the making it illegal to protest but like the anti-protester sentiment both on the term like it was ineffective but also you should hate these people because they're making they're like they're just being loud and they're just being annoying and they're just making society run slower has also kind of infected our culture in a way that maybe more or less was less uh visible and right but i i mean and all i can point to is that like the many states and especially in the wake of black lives matter were tried to make it legal to run the fuck over protesters like a pro- a protesters have block the highway run them over in your hover and like you can't be you can't be uh you cannot be held accountable it's like so like we've seen so if protesting really did not work at all like if protesting didn't have any any effect there would not be such a wrong there would not be such a strong aversion to it from the government tabs on protests and also to make it and make it as unappealing as possible so 
you know, I, I think it worth, I guess my only, I would only bring up one more point before, for on the first episode back in 2020, so I apologize for a little bit, you know, rusty here, uh, is that, like, it, we mentioned earlier, it's like, the, the underlying cause here, the underlying point here is that the rules are different from, as part of the rationale neoconservative, and by that I mean, it's like, the global south does not have the right to self Right. The Global South does not have the right to self-defense. And that's a very racial trope, too. Like, like the, you cannot be the, you cannot argue that there like that a country could effectively convince the the U.S. or the maybe even on a global scale that it has the right to defend itself from U.S. aggression without that consider without that self-defense being an act of right, you know. And like and like and that's and that also kind of is a critique of the toxic masculinity framing of this, where it's just like this is self defense, and you need to recognize that they have the right to, and that it's rational, and not to just let someone fuck you up, constantly ruin your way, and like and ruin your way. Right? If if you if you can accept that other like you you need to accept that marginalized people allowed to defend themselves from oppressors by any means, especially when that can pertains to the sovereignty. Of, it's like that like that. Is just a hands down. You like that. That is a hand down like equality that you have to be believe in if you want to extricate yourself out of like the neoconservative. That, like that, there is never that there's never a good reason to hit back, right? If you could, if you're only rather than the reason to hit, to hit back, it's about the legitimization of violence. And that also comes into like the the nomenclature, or rather like, the the naming convention of like who is and who isn't a terrorist, and what is and what is not terrorism. But like, and by that I mean like the legitimate violence, or rather the violence of the United the United States is legitimized either through procedure, which is what they're you know either through a combination of procedure and the neoconservative hegemonic belief that America is a moral actor who's only trying to make the world a better place, and the, and the world is a better place when America's doing things. Or just the neoconservative belief that America always is always right. So like so you, you can either you can strip out the procedural elements of it, which is just what like the Republicans, but and or you can add it. And that's what the liberals do. But the underlying belief the same. You, know, you have the right that America, should, you know, that the world is better when I'm overseas. You just can't believe that, and and you can and, and because what that does is that it causes you to erase the violence or legitimize and by legitimize I mean like view it as not terrorism or not a war crime or not an act of war of the United States that the United States engages in by nature of the fact that the United States it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy well America is that you rather you only become capable of recognizing the punch you only become capable of recognizing the violence that as it exists in the the global south fighting back or the marginalized person and fighting back, and you don't recognize the in, the implicit viol- the the in, the instigating violence. Yeah, it's like you, the you, violence you, you, of oh, sanctions, the violence of all of these other shit. Good. No violence of, of literally assassinating one of their leaders. That too, <laughs> it's just like, right? It's like, that's really, it's like that's really it too. Like you don't even recognize the you don't even recognize the assassination of you know you don't re- the assassination of Soleimani as violence, and like you can recognize it as violent. But what I mean is that you don't recognize it as, as terrorism. No, it, it's it, it's a war crime. It's like you don't recognize it as violent as in you don't recognize it as a bad hazardous materialist thing you might recognize that's a killing or a sanctioned drone strikes or eliminating a target or any other sort of you want to use but like actually framing it as like a unjustifiable uh impractical act of like terrorism is out of the out of the bounds of reason for too many right and like and that comes and so like you're like you're only viewing the violence like a res- you only like and so self-defense isn't is impossible 
Like self-defense is impossible under that framework because you because like any violence that is perpetrated by the marginalized person or the, the country in the global south onto America is in the like viewed as undeserved. It, it's that's terrorism. It's like it's like America cannot their terrorism becomes both like an issue of object and subject, where it's like, yeah. Uh, Middle Eastern countries can enact terrorism or I'll make it more abstract. Marginalized people can participate in, can be the victim and the perpetrator of terrorism, but they can only, but, 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 but they are incapable. If the, you know, if the other person is also like us, it's like, you know, Saudi Arabia can be the victim of Iranian terrorism, right? Or, or like Iranian or Iraqi officials can be the, the victim of Syrian terrorism or whatever. But it's impossible under that framework for like Iran to be the victim of American, right? Like because American terrorism is not something that exists because American America, by nature of belief that America is always good, is not seeking to terrorize anybody, right? Like we're just seeking to bring you freedom. And of course, the opposite side of that too is that. It, 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 or rather, the underlying thing in there too is that, like, you know, it it it, pre- it presupposes that, like, or rather, it's based on a belief that they deserve to be terrorized and need to be terrorized by United States of America in order to remain, order to maintain government, or rather, in order to maintain uh, the stability of the world. Right, the world the world hinges on American America and Americans being allowed to terrorize the rest of the world, and by that I mean the global South, because America being of object and subject of terrorism, like America couldn't participate in terrorism. I mean, well, like against like a Norway or a European country without there being some kind of, if not like a reciprocal military, like a worldwide, like whoa, like this, like you are really going, you're really going to, you know, assassinate the a general of. Norway while he's on a meeting like that seems like a war crime it's like well yeah it's a war crime no matter who you do it seems simple enough and yet here we are and yet here we are here we are at the end of the episode uh it's wonderful being back sorry for all the delays and sorry for a little bit of the rust when I don't do the show I don't speak at all Richard I don't know about you uh, nope deuce